What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another week, week 14 of the Playbook. It's Joey and Zach on WZBC AM Sports Radio. We hope the first week of the week has gone well and look forward to providing with another hour of the world of sports. We want to apologize for last week's episode not being uploaded to Spotify. Uh, we had a couple technical difficulties going on. Um, didn't save to my computer, so um, that was kind of an unfortunate incident because we did uh, have a solid week uh, with a two-hour special over March Madness last weekend, uh, last Wednesday, rather. Um, so anyways, tonight we'll begin by discussing the Hockey East tournament finals from last week and break down the four, uh, Frozen Four tournament matchups. Uh, after that, we'll talk about some college baseball, get into some Northeastern versus BC from yesterday. It was a good matchup, uh, one nothing win for BC uh, from yesterday afternoon. Uh, then we'll pro- provide some updates uh, from the MLB and NFL offseasons, uh, including Trevor Story signing with the Red Sox and Tyreek Hill being traded to the Dolphins. Uh, there's much more to cover there in both uh, the NFL and MLB, so we're excited about that. Uh, we'll then move into some quick coverage of the Bruins trade deadline moves and highlight the Celtics' everlasting hot streak. Um, of course, we'll break down how much Madness has gone so far, including some big upsets, some busts, and who we think we, uh, could win it all. So make sure you listen to the end to hear our picks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so on. let's hop right into it. Uh, Hockey East semifinals last weekend. Um, I know you were at that game, so why don't you give us your takes uh, on the UConn and Northeastern game? Yeah, tough game for Northeastern. Uh, UConn ended up winning it 4-1. to one. Um, I've never seen Northeastern so out of position on a play in my life. Um, Ryan Werber, uh, I think how you pronounce it was Werberg or something like that. I forget. It was a tough name to pronounce. So I'm sorry if I butchered it, but, um, Werberg, uh, ended up dangling Julian Kisslin, a defenseman on Northeastern. who's one of the most sound defensemen I've ever seen play. I mean, Jordan Harris is the most sound one on Northeastern, but this guy just plays defense, doesn't try to get in too much on offense. Very sound defense, as I said, and he got absolutely dangled. And then Devin Levi goes straight flat in his stomach and gets dangled as well. I've never seen him so out of position either in my life. So when that happened, it was 2-1. to one, Then that goal, you know, you got dangled, 3-1. to one, And the momentum kind of shifted. Um, a positive was Aiden McDonough's snipe. Uh, he had a goal um, in the first period after UConn scored. About three minutes later, he had a uh, power play goal, which was huge. Got a wagon, had the assist, Jordan Harris as well. Um, Let's go. Northeastern kind of kept it close for a little bit to the third period. Uh when UConn kind of just took away, uh, they, they dangled on that goal, uh, made it three to one, then they had another one with, uh, you know, four or five, six minutes left to go, whatever it was, um, to make it four to one. So mm-hmm. the energy was down. Um, McDonough actually scored again with like 45 seconds to go. Then they took it away and said uh, we were offside. So what can you do? I mean, you can't win the ball. Northeast they said it was offside, so uh, wouldn't have made a big difference. I mean, it would have been four to two rather than four to one. So it's not like we would have won the game, but mm-hmm. tough to lose a, a game four to one. But I mean, there's a positive though. They uh, still made it into the tournament. Northeastern, UMass Lowell, and UMass Amherst all made it in from the Hockey East. So good showing there, three teams. But uh, then UMass Lowell um, played U- UMass Amherst, 3-1. to one, uh, UMass Amherst won. Um, it was 2 nothing UMass after the first period. UMass Lowell battled back um, in the second period, scored at the only goal in the period. So it was 2-1 to one after two. Um, and then uh, UMass scored with how many minutes to go? Uh, I think it was in the third period, probably five, six minutes in. Made it three to one. Then after that, it was kind of it. Um, but Matt Cross had a goal from UMass Lowell, so it was a positive for them, three to one. They couldn't get any closer really, um, which was tough. Trevino scored a goal for UMass. He's a Hobie Baker top ten um, candidate. He had a goal, uh, the second goal for UMass, to make it a two nothing game. Um, and then the finals. So I did have Northeastern winning it over UMass Amherst. So had Northeastern beat UConn, might have had the opportunity, but yeah, you never um, know. Overtime game. Um, it was agonizing at Northeastern fans since Northeastern needed UMass. They had two of these three teams to win. We needed the UMass to beat UConn, Minnesota State to beat Bemidji State, or Quinnipiac to beat Harvard. Of course, all three games going to overtime, because why wouldn't they? Um, Northeast ended up, luckily, um, getting in. Um, Minnesota State ended up pulling away in, in overtime, luckily, which I'll explain that whole situation in a few. But um, 2-1, UMass beat UConn in overtime. Vladislav, uh, first off, had a goal um, for UConn, got them hot pretty early, uh, two minutes into the second period. Um, that was the only goal, actually, the first you know, 22 minutes of the game, which was interesting um, since both teams are strong offense, like getting shots on goal. Um, he also had a goal versus Northeastern, too, so he was a talented player. But Trevino responded, made it 1-1 after two periods, and it went to overtime. Aaron Bollinger um, from uh, UMass Amherst had a big goal, had the assist from Trevino um, to give him a 2-1 win over overtime, in, in overtime. So there you go, UMass won the hockey. He's tough for Northeastern, but still luckily made it in. Um, It'll be interesting to see the Frozen Four yeah, tournament. Yeah, still got a shot at the Natty, so it's all that matters. I mean, the Frozen Four tournament. So. End of the day, you want to win your Hockey East uh, championship, but I'd rather have a chance at the Natty. So yeah, I mean, season's both. not over. Both, you know, I, I I wish we could have got both, but regardless, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll take it. We still made it in. Um, four local teams actually, five make that Quinnipiac, 
also made it in. Five local teams made it into the tournament. Uh, Minnesota State versus Harvard is tomorrow at 12 um, noon. Denver's playing UMass Lowell tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Western Michigan, number three team in the country, is taking on Northeast on Friday at 12 um, at the DCU Center in Worcester. Um, and then Michigan's taking on my second team, AIC, Friday at 3. So there you go. Got some solid matchups there. Um, I'll give a, you give a few quick picks, some insight um, into the Northeast and AIC game. Um, UMass Lowell and Harvard also have tougher matchups versus Denver and Minnesota State, two, two strong teams. I got Denver actually going to the finals. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but anyway, so Western Michigan has the leading goal scorer in, the, in college hockey. I've mentioned his name many times, Ethan Frank, 26 goals on the season. Um, Aiden McDonough is right behind him with 24, tied in the second. Um, everyone in Western Michigan can score. They have four guys with over 30 or 35 points, which is nuts. Um, Ronnie Added has the third most uh, points on the team um, with 36, 13 goals, 23 assists. And then Drew Warren has actually the most points, 35 assists, which is nuts. And then nine goals to make 44 points. But they got four guys over 30 points. Um, so obviously Northeast has to be ready for scoring. Crazy, yeah. They got to start hot right away, get a goal in the net, start the game. I think AIC is similar, uh, a similar matchup for them. They got to start right away versus Michigan score, score the first goal, get some momentum, um, and play up in the game rather than playing down. Because I think Northeastern now has been struggling with playing down in games, like in that UConn game. Playing down, that was tough for them. Playing down against BC in that Friday night game at the end of the regular season. They need to be – I mean, they can come back from behind. I'm not saying they can't, but I think they play a lot better when they have a, a goal lead to stop the game. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, junior goalie from Western Michigan, uh, Brandon Bussey. He's got a 91% save percentage. He allows 2.6 goals um, against per average per game. So um, Northeastern definitely gets to score some goals. I'm not too worried about that. Um, the problem with Western Michigan is they can give up three goals a game but still score five and win. So – it's definitely going to be a big contest for Northeastern, try to figure things out um, early. Hopefully everyone's in position. Um, that's something, obviously, we've struggled with. I'm thinking plays I can highlight. I think McDonough's got to have a great game. Colangelo, we need points out of. We need another snipe on him. I think he has the best shot. Besides McDonough, I don't know, two of the best ones I've seen in the past few years of college hockey. So having them on the same team is nuts. But that power play line of Harris, McDonough, Fontaine, Jack Hughes, um, and Colangelo, my favorite line in, in hockey maybe ever. I mean, I love the... Sakura Stevens, a Gaudette line um, back in 2017, but this line is my favorite one by far. I don't know. It's just something about them. Uh, when they're out there, you just know something good's going to happen. A goal's going to happen at some point. Um, so those guys are just higher, though. We need a gun, gun away, at least an assist. That that power play line's got to score if we get a power play. That's going to be vital. Um, is, is a big goal on the power play. Um, moving on, uh, I'll give my quick prediction. Actually, I got Northeastern winning the game. It'll be a good one. Northeast is going to have to score goals realistically because Western Michigan scores about three or four a game. They're in between. I think they average 3.5 a game. So Northeast is going to have to score goals. Um, I'm going to take Northeastern 4-3. to three. I think it'll be a close game. I think Northeastern takes it. I'll be there hopefully on Friday. Hopefully Mark Walsh as well. Hopefully we both get out there. It'll be a good game. Yeah, that'd be sick. Um, what do you think about that game? You can, give a, you can give a quick prediction. Northeastern, Western Michigan. Um, um, goals. What do you think? I mean, Western Michigan's hot. Northeastern came off a big regular season win and they had a tough loss against um, you know, UConn last week, as you said. Um, but I've seen them bouncing back. Um, I mean, as you've been talking about all year, they got a ton of talent. And I'm picking them just for you as well. I'm going to go, go Northeastern 3-2 over Western Michigan. I'll take it. Um, let's see a big upset going on. Worcester, too. So there should definitely be a home crowd for Northeastern. Definitely. Hopefully. Um, so you can only could give them the energy boost that they need. I mean, it's just one game, too, and... And hockey, anything goes when it's just one game. So Definitely. it's really anyone's tournament now. Uh, so why not Northeastern? Yeah. Give me them, 3-2. They're going to score, though. That's probably four guys over 30 points, as I said. And uh, So obviously Northeast is going to have to mm-hmm. you know, make I mean, Northeastern can score, too. you got guys like Colangelo, yeah. uh, Gunnar Fontaine. Gunnar Wayne. I mean, your boys you've been talking about all year. So Yeah. No, I'm a big they fan. They can hang offensively with think, anyone, really. I think they can score. I think the second line is going to be big. I think Jakob Novak's going to have to have a big goal. Right now I'm going to take McDonough with a goal. Gunnar Wayne and Colangelo. Yeah, McDonough, too. Should have mentioned him. Hopefully, Yaka. Maybe Ritzkovian. I'm a big Ritzkovian guy. Mm-hmm. Freshman phenom. Um, good to have him. Had back. a nice goal against BC. Yeah. No, he's nice. He's a good player. Very good. Very good in faceoffs as well. So, really mm-hmm. quick, break down the AIC Michigan game. Then we'll hopefully get into some uh, college baseball really quick and then uh, move into either MLB or NFL, either one. But, anyways, Michigan versus AIC this Friday at three. So, once the Northeastern game ends, I'm going to be watching that game. Should be a good one. Um, AIC outscored their opponents in the Atlantic Hockey Tournament 23 to eight. Um, Chris Theodore won the AIC uh, for AIC, won the player of the year for the Atlantic Hockey uh, Division. It was a great honor for him. Um, but one guy I want to mention who's the hottest player on the AIC team is uh, forward Blake Bennett. He won the tournament MVP for the Atlantic Hockey Tournament. Um, he had seven goals and three assists in four games. 
11 points in four games is just unreal. Um, he had two back-to-back games with hat-tricks, which is nuts. Had a back-to-back uh, games with hat-tricks, which is just unheard of how good he was. He's an absolute stud. Uh, I wish I could show the – I wish we had, like, a live TV and I could play them live on air for people that are listening to see That'd how nasty his goals were because he was dangling guys left and right. It, it was nuts how good he was in the tournament. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays. Obviously, Jake Starr, another guy I've named. Um, oh, yeah, very big fan of him. He's had a great season. Um, Stella's got 12 goals and 16 assists, or so 28 points. Um, Blake Bennett, as I said, hottest player on the team with 32 points. Chris uh, Dedero's had a great season as well, 13 goals, 16 assists. ASC has a lot of guys that can score. Um, they have six guys with over 28 points, so they can kind of come at you in different ways. Um, so hopefully they, they start out hot, um, get some goals going right away. I think that's going to be a big part of their chance to win was scoring, you know, the first or second goal. Same thing with Harvard. I think they're going to have to score a big goal against Minnesota State to stay hot. Um, obviously, they beat Quinnipiac, so it's a good feat in its own. Obviously, you're coming into the tournament confident, winning, you know, the mm-hmm. you know ECHC. Um, anyway, so AIC won 7 uh big route uh, versus Air Force in the finals um, of the AH tournament. Um, absolute way to the team, four straight regular season titles, and then three straight trips to the tourney. Obviously, 2020 wow. was canceled, so... Could have four straight. That's impressive, yeah. Could have four straight. Um, and then grad student transfer, um, Alec Calvarusso from RPI transferred in. Um, took over starting goalie duties for the most part in 2022. Um, he's had a great um, second half of the season for AIC. Um, he saved 72 of the 80 shots he faced in the tournament um, with the 90% save percentage, that is. He's got a 91% save percentage overall in the year, 10-4 record. Um, and then last thing, Michigan, number one overall seed in the tournament. Um, third in NCAA goals per game with 39 Behind AIC, ASC is actually eighth. Um, ASC is behind them, I mean, with uh, 3.5. So they both can score goals. Tough draw for AIC, though, but I'm confident in them. Uh, Michigan's coming in 29-9-1 on the year. Um, they just beat Minnesota to win the Big Ten tournament 4-3. Um, their fast team can score a ton. Matty Benares, a guy everyone's probably heard of, sophomore forward from Hingham. He's a Hobie Baker top 10 candidate. Um, the second pick of the 2021 um, NHL draft to Seattle last year of the Kraken. So great play, 19 goals, 22 assists on the F41 points. Um, and then... Brendan Brisson has 19 goals and 18 assists. Another sophomore can do it all. Um, they have five guys with over 30 points. Um, it's kind of ridiculous that they can have five guys with over 30 points considering, you know, how many goals they score a game. I think maybe it's spread around with like 10 guys, you know, with 20 points rather than, you know, 30. But it's interesting, you know, how many points a team can score, especially a team, you know, the Big Ten. It's a good division. A lot of good teams in there. So um, Eric Portillo is the goalie um, for Michigan, sophomore. Um, so another sophomore in the team that's been a stud. Uh, has had a great season, 29 wins. Two uh, goals a game, a little bit more than two goals a game allowed um, at a 93 save percentage. Um, so it'll be a big test for AIC. I think I get AIC winning that game 4-3 to three also. So I got two 4-3 to three games. They're going to have to score a lot of goals in order to keep in, uh, to keep up, excuse me. Um, so see how that goes. Northeastern's got the toughest um, regional, actually. They got Denver. Um, I get Denver over them. I get Northeastern over Denver, excuse me, in the finals. But Northeast does have a tough road there having to play either UMass um, or... UMass is playing, I can't even remember off the top of my head, UMass. Who are they playing? I wrote it down somewhere, yeah. In the tournament? Yeah. Minnesota. Minnesota, okay, yeah. So, yeah, Minnesota, there it is, yeah. Getting confused how much I have here. Uh, Minnesota, so. <laughs> a lot of games to remember. Tough match there. Yeah, it is, too many. Tough match there for um, Northeastern because they're going to either have to play Minnesota or UMass, um, both really good teams, and obviously they, they draw Western Michigan a third team, third seed overall. So it'll be a tough road for them. Um, really quick, Northeastern needed actually three of those teams, uh, two of those teams I mentioned earlier to win. Of course, Harvard beats Quinnipiac. Um, naturally, um, UMass versus UConn goes into overtime. UMass thankfully wins. Minnesota State actually scores a goal, wins the game. 30 minutes later, the players are celebrating. They probably got champagne. Everyone's got their pads off. They're in the locker room. Fans went home. The officials went home. The league calls it in, calls in to the game and says that goal doesn't count because the goalie on uh, Bemidji State, his stick, you know, dislodged the net a little bit, and the, and the puck went just right under the crease, you know, just right under the corner of the net. Um, and so that goal ended up coming back. They had a replay overtime. I was telling Mark Walsh, um, you know, if, if they end up going back to this overtime and we end up losing on them, I'd be really mad because Northeastern, you have to get into the tournament. It's a top 16 teams pair-wise, but you, there, there are spots taken away by teams that win their tournament. So Northeastern needed it. Luckily, Minnesota State came out with the win, thankfully. Um, and then... Obviously, Northeastern made it in, so I can't complain. But mm-hmm. I get ASC in the Pennsylvania Regional. I get Denver in the Colorado Regional. Northeastern in the Worcester one. Um, and then Minnesota State in the Albany. Um, I get Northeastern over at Denver. So we'll update you next week, hopefully, with more. Um, but looking forward to that. 
Yeah, it should be a good tournament. Um, so yeah, do you want to hop into college baseball, give your takes Real on quick. Yeah. BC Northeastern before we move uh, into MLB and NFL? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a good game yesterday. I actually popped out. Um, BC Northeastern, me and my friend Christian went. My father also went. Um, it was a good game to see. Northeastern ended up having a pitchers duel with BC. It wasn't how it was supposed to be advertised since BC was coming in. Their two last games gave up 18 and 18 runs against Virginia, so 36 runs in two games, which is nuts. Um, so it wasn't supposed to be a pitchers duel. It ended up being one. BC ended up winning one nothing. Uh, Max Geek started for BC Jr., went three innings, only gave two hits, had three strikeouts, no walks. There was actually only three walks in the game. Northeastern had two, and then BC had one. So wow, quick game, impressive. move fast. Um, Northeastern, Eric Yost started on the mound for Fordham Prep. I mentioned him last week. Um, went mm-hmm. four innings, gave up five hits, had one run given up in the first inning, seven strikeouts. Had a strong game. Um, just Northeast couldn't get anything going offensively. Um, Northeast actually only ended up with five hits. Um, Luke Beckstein and Jeff Costello had three of the five. So you one or two hitters had three of your five hits or 60% of them. And the rest of the lineup, um, you know, struggled for the most part. But it's, it's expected, especially after how hot they've been. Um, you're not going to always stay that hot. You know, they played Brown, Holy Cross twice last week, and Merrimack. They swept all four of those games, were 4-0, and they beat all four of those teams 28-4 to was the combined score. So, obviously, the bats aren't going to come in too hot, you know, necessarily. They're not going to be scoring 28 runs in, you know, one one or two games. Um, but I was hoping maybe a little more offense yesterday. But Sirota was 5-12 in that Brown game um, last week uh, with three RBIs. Uh, excuse me, in that three-game series against Holy Cross twice, and then Brown, he was 5-12 uh, with three RBIs. So, he was hot coming in. I had high expectations for the whole offense. You know, I thought... Guys like Jeff Costello, Di Loretto, um, Bosland, uh, Max Vieira. I thought Max Vieira would, would uh, start getting hot. Hopefully, you know, soon he does. But Northeast not losing one nothing. BC Baseball had a strong game. Travis Honeyman had two hits. Um, it was two for four. Um, Cameron Leary, Luke Gold also added some hits. So the top of the lineup actually had everyone had a hit actually in the top five for BC's lineup. So Vetrano, wow. Parker Landwehr also um, added in a hit each. So. There we go. Hitting's been good this year for BC. It's just pitching. Yeah, pitching's been a major issue. Yeah, they, they actually played today um, against Sacred Hunt, um, which honestly was a good matchup um, coming in since BC coming in, you know, a game against Northeast beating them. You think they blow up at Sacred Hunt, and Sacred Hunt's actually struggled this year. But they end up winning BC, luckily, 5-2, to two, big win. It was a close game for the most part. But um, BC obviously got some confidence yesterday beating Northeastern. Um, so BC won 5-2, to two, big win. Um, it was a close one after, I think, 5-6. Um, it was 2-2, actually, um, or 3-2, rather, BC at the end of 6. So, close game. BC got a couple insurance runs at the end um, from sack bounce, so playing a little small ball, which works. Um, so, big win there. Northeastern got the College of Charleston this weekend. Uh, big matchup there for them coming in. Charleston beat Texas once. Um, so, a really good team coming in, obviously. Texas, one of the best teams in the country. Um, always always recruit very well, too. Um, they ended up beating them. Uh, so, it would be a good contest for Northeastern. Um they beat Texas 0-8-4, so Northeast going to have to pitch well. Um, mm-hmm. And then they also swept East Car- beat East Carolina 2-3. So Northeast has got a lot ahead of them. Um, hopefully the bats get going this weekend, um, and then hopefully they don't look back and just get hot. That's what they need to do. This The starting pitching for Northeastern has been you know strong, so it's just hitting at home has been a struggle. They only scored one against Bryant, seven against Merrimack last week, which was great, but then only one against – none against BC. So And then one against UMass Amherst you know, a couple weeks ago. So got to score runs at home. That's been their problem. But – We'll come mm-hmm. back to you next week. Hopefully, uh, Sirota DiLoretto, Beckstein, Costello get some hits going, and hopefully BC Baseball stays hot this weekend. They got Louisville coming in. Louisville's a top 25 team. That's going to be a tough game, but uh, you never know. Sunday, I mean, yeah. I'm psyched. I'm, sometimes I'm, this team gets hot. I know. We saw that last year. That win against Auburn, a couple other teams. Um, absolutely. BC Baseball, big wins against Tau. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, looking forward to that. I'll post the updates next week on BC Baseball Northeastern as well. Um, so, yeah, how about we move into NFL free agency? Tons been going on this week, especially the last couple of days. Uh, notably, I believe it was yesterday, Matt Ryan was traded to the Colts for a third-round pick. Um, personally, I was a pretty big fan of that move. Um, I mean, Matt Ryan and the Falcons, obviously, it's not going to work out. They're you know, out of the stage of competing, and they just need to start a rebuild. Um, and Matt Ryan still has gas left in the tank. He played with an O-line that's been atrocious the last few seasons, besides Chris Lindstrom, BC guy. Um, and putting on the Colts can definitely move um, himself and the Colts into more of a winning position. Um, I still don't think the Colts are Super Bowl contenders, but I think um, they're a sneaky favorite to win that division now. Um, you know, you got a guy like Jonathan Taylor, a good O-line, guys like Quentin Nelson up there, um, and a solid defense as well. So I really think he's going to be a great presence in that locker room and definitely an upgrade from Carson Wentz. Um, so what are your thoughts on that trade? I'm a big fan of it. I actually think this makes them an AFC contender. I see them going to the AFC Championship game. 
Um, they have a great running back, as you said, Jonathan Taylor. Um, great defense, too. Solid defense. Uh, Super Bowl defense there. Um, they can you know a lot that. about that defense, that D-line. I'm a big fan of their, their depth chart. They have a lot of good players in it. Um, Darius Leonard, uh, just in the yeah. one. But, um, they got a good team, though. Um, definitely quarterbacks been something they've been missing over the last few years. Phillip Rivers was all right with them, and then Wentz really struggled at the end of that last season. They got to beat Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and they lost. So. Yeah, they had a chance to make the playoffs, right? I yeah, they lost that right at the end of that season. Yeah, that was awful. Went in, and they lost, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But they only gave that. They only give a third-round pick, so I think that's a steal, especially since they got two-thirds for wins. Um, so I think it's a great deal for them. I see them going to the AFC Championship. Um, maybe a bold prediction, but I, I think they're going to be a really good team. Um, they definitely I mean, got a shot at the it. top five I mean, team in the league. If, if Matt Ryan can play up to what I think he can with an offensive line, they got a great offensive line. Something I forgot to mention. They have a top three mm-hmm. offensive line each of the last five years. So mm-hmm. um, That defense, I mean, that division, too, it's lost its competitiveness the last Tennessee couple of seasons. Yeah. Tennessee and Jacksonville. Tennessee, they were... Uh, Jacksonville. Even Tennessee Houston. last year, they didn't really wow me. And then, yeah, Jacksonville and Houston are Tennessee nowhere close contending right now. So Tennessee will be, will be their only competition, really. But mm-hmm. Jacksonville, yeah, just them versus the Titans, and that's it for the division, really. Jacksonville and Houston, rather. Um, that's four wins right there. Should be for the Colts. Probably four wins also for mm-hmm. um Yeah, those teams are nowhere well, close, but... especially Deshaun Watson. I mean, the Texans without Deshaun Watson or anything now. But that was yeah. a solid trade for them. We'll get to that in a few. Yeah, Davis Mills, though. I, I like Davis Mills. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, General Mills, me and my curly call the guru. But um, I think they're an AFC championship contender. Um, I think they can make it there. Um, th- that does leave Atlanta with the largest dead cap hit in NFL history, actually. $40 million in dead cap um, in 2022 for Atlanta, So, which is nuts. Um, they chewed a lot of that money in order to um, try to make that trade happen. Um, only giving up a third, obviously. But part of, giving, oh, part of only getting a third was chewing a lot of that money. So uh, maybe they trade up now Atlanta with the Giants from Malik Willis. I hope that happens if they want to jump Carolina. Carolina want to take a quarterback. Um, I'd be mm-hmm. a big fan of it. They could take Malik Willis all day. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Malik Willis. Guy. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft right now. No he's one else has really impressed me. Um, you know, a guy like Kenny Pickett. I just, I think he's all right. I think, you know, like his floor is high, but his ceiling is also low. You know, I just see him as one of those kind of guys. Yeah, like you know, what you're going to get out of him. Absolutely. Yeah, Matt Ryan though, with that cap hit, 48 million was was supposed to be his cap hit this year. In order for them to trade him, you had to chew. I thought at least 30 million. They chewed 40 of it. So. Oh, which is wow. interesting. Still got a third-round pick back, which is pretty good. Um, but we'll see how that works. I think it's a great deal for the Colts, though. A lot of forward. Matt Ryan just needs an offensive line. I think he's still going to have a great mm-hmm. season. I see him throwing. Yeah, he's, he's still a great quarterback. I mean, it was only five years ago he was the MVP of the league, and he still kept up solid numbers despite not having much talent around him at all and zero offensive line. So yeah. definitely excited to see what he can do with a you know a solid team around him. Absolutely. And then Tyreek Hill, big trade to, uh, to the Dolphins oh, today. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. Chiefs, Chiefs didn't want to pay him the contract extension he wanted, so he ended up getting traded uh, to the Dolphins for the 49ers first-round pick, which the Dolphins owned in a trade last year um, for this season. Um, they also got the 2022 uh, second-round pick of the Dolphins, 50 overall. They got two fourths and a sixth-rounder. Tyreek Hill also got paid. I think it was four years, 130. Or four years, 120. Four years, 120. Yep. That was ridiculous. 72.2 guaranteed, um, which is interesting that he got his payday, which Devontae Adams also got his payday after the trade, so I guess that's just a thing now. But I think it's a good trade, though, for Miami. I think it's a good trade for both sides, kind of. I, I think Miami did give up a lot, but if Tua were to be able to play up to the expectations I had for him out of college, I don't think he's going to be you know, a top-five quarterback in the league. But if he can just be serviceable enough with that, how good that offense is with Waddle and Hill now, I mean, you know, who, know, who knows what they can do. I mean, they're going to be able to throw downfield better mm-hmm. than any team. If Tua could just air it out, I mean, you got the two fast receivers in the league. Just send it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just it's a deadly it. combo right there, him and Waddle, especially as Waddle begins to develop a little bit more. Um, we start to see his usage go up um, you know, compared to last year. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan of the trade uh, for both sides. Dolphins, I was a little, uh, I was questioning the fact a little bit, just the size of the contract they gave to Tyree Hill. The four years, 120 mil, that's a ton. Making Tyree Hill the most, a highest paid receiver in the league, uh, even ahead of Devontae Adams now, which is nuts. Um, I mean, I think Tyree Hill's a great receiver, but I don't think... He deserves to be the highest paid in the NFL, especially when Devontae just got that massive contract. I forget what the exact numbers in that were, but that was only was a week like ago too. Five for one forty. I think he got twenty eight, and then he's getting thirty now. Hill, so mm-hmm. I was getting a little more. He's um, getting you know two more a year. Yeah, but I mean, I definitely like the way that improves that Miami offense. Um, you know, they've really been struggling in the passing game the last couple of years, but part of that's on Tua, but part of that's also a lack of receiver depth. So I definitely think Tyreek Hill, uh, Tyreek Hill will help him out. You know, pairing him with Waddle is going to be something special to see. So, yeah. obviously, as a Pats fan, a little nervous for that. Um, you know, those two guys coming at us. But we'll see what happens. Um, still, all depends on, you know, Tua's development and everything. Um, just his ability to get the ball down the field, get it in the hands of his receivers. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have to see. Yeah. I think 
depending on how Tua plays, is going to uh, show whether this was a good or bad trade for the Dolphins. I understand why they did it, though. I understand why both teams did it. The Chiefs obviously didn't want to pay him. They couldn't pay him. They were paying, you know, Chris Jones, Ty- mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Mahomes, excuse me, um, Chris Jones, uh, Just Travis Juju. Kelsey, Juju. I mean, they've been paying the guys a lot of money. Frank Clark on his, you know, contract restructure. They have yep. too many pieces that they had to sign, you know, uh, that offensive line for the Patriots. Uh, what's his name? Uh uh, Shaq Mason. Oh, Shaq no, Mason. The no, they signed the a guy from the Patriots, an offensive lineman. Um, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. A year ago. Um, um, two, you know, this, he's going to a second year with the Chiefs. Um, but Black either way, though, too. Um, yeah, i got to get that. It's in my head now, and I can't get it. Uh, but either way, they've been paying guys a ton Joe of money. Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney. There you go. Joe Tooney, they paid last week 16 a year, somewhere around there. Um, so they had to pay, obviously, heavily for all other pieces on their team, and maybe they saw Tyreek Hill as the most expendable one. They also... Got a lot back. I mean, for a team that realistically wasn't going to have much to do in the draft, except maybe fill a couple holes. Now they have five draft picks. You know, three this year. You got the Dolphins first and second this year. You know, obviously the nine is first. Mm-hmm. It is, but yeah, I mean, they can go out and get some weapons with that. You know, absolutely uh, first and a second this year. That's dangerous. So can definitely fill the talent holes that they have, especially on the defensive side too. They could use a couple extra guys. Um, you know, they've been, we're looking into making a lot of defensive free agent signings this year. I haven't really seen too many out of them. Uh, but definitely a couple of gaps that can always fail, just depth Jeez, in general, yeah. too. So Yeah, my uncle um, said the Dolphins get to have scary receivers that they can keep two or alive. I agree. Offensive line's been an issue. I know they just signed mm-hmm. um, Armstead, Toronto Armstead from the Saints. If he stays healthy, great tackle. Um, hopefully protect his blind side. I think he'd probably be right tackle on that offense. Either way, um, hopefully he can protect Tua, give him some time to throw. Uh, Mike Curley actually tra- chimed in, said that he thinks Tyree kills better than Devontae. So it's an interesting wow. take there, too. I mean, okay. hey, I, I think top three, though, Cup. Uh, Ty Hill and then also Devontae Adams. I think I'd probably mm-hmm. go Adams. I'd probably go Adams. Ty Hill Cup. Yeah, I might go Adams. I don't know how Tyreek on my team than Cup. Um, um, interesting though. But you know, still I mean, love to have any of them. I take I take Hill. I mean, if you know, I think they're both great players. Hill, if you need a speed guy, I think he's more home run hitter, obviously. And Devontae Adams too. Um, you know, obviously having Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers throwing to that kind of helps them. So. Um, Definitely might be mm-hmm. a different offense than him getting the ball from Tua and then obviously Derek Conn throwing the ball to Devontae, which Devontae is another trade we got to talk about. Trade, traded to the Raiders for first and oh, second yeah. rounder, 22 and 55, 53 overall. Um, I think it was 53, so 22nd overall and 53rd pick overall were traded mm-hmm. um, to Green Bay for Devontae Adams. He ended up getting paid 5 for 140, which is 28 a year, um, five years, 140 mil. So got his payday. Um, I'd say he's the best receiver, but um, it's definitely close between him and Hill and Cup. Uh, Depends on what you need. All three are very different receivers. They're all great. Depends mm-hmm. on what you need. Yeah, I think it'll be um, a pretty seamless fit in that Raiders offense. Um, they could definitely use a wide receiver one right now, um, you know, next to Hunter Renfro, um, who had a solid year last year, but they definitely need another guy that Carr can throw to. We saw how close they got um, to making the playoffs last season. You know, that crazy game is the Chargers and OT. Um, they're definitely right on the cusp of being a team like that, so I think this is a great trade for them. Um, giving up the first, your first and second round picks. Um, obviously, it's a lot to give up. But again, the best receiver in the league in return. You locked him up for five years. Um, I mean, he's getting. I don't know how old he is. How old is he? Like thirty. Terry Devontae Adams is twenty nine. Okay. I mean, yeah, by year four and five of his contract, maybe he won't be the same player he is now. But you know, for two or three years of the best receiver in the NFL, assuming he can stay healthy, uh, I definitely think that's worth it for a team that is in desperate need of you know some offensive firepower. We see. The Broncos loading up, getting Russell Wilson. Um, actually, we didn't talk about that either yet. Uh, you know, the maybe Chargers. But did they, oh, maybe we did, did last week. But our report um, was, as we said, deleted. So, I mean, how yeah, do we so know now? <laughs> I guess this is for Spotify now, all of it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like the Chargers signing guys on defense, Khalil Mack and uh, J.C. Jackson. And then um, Chiefs as well, you know. you got to compete with all those guys somehow. There's loads of talent in that division now. It's the best division in all of the NFL uh, right now is looking like so. Definitely a good move for the Raiders to re-up and you know get a receiver like that. And I also like that move for the Packers, too. Um, if they really didn't want to pay Devontae for whatever reason, I think they should have kept him and paid him whatever he wanted. But uh, considering the fact that they didn't want to pay him, uh, getting a first and second round pick is solid um, for him in return. Obviously, if I was them, I would have wanted to keep him. Um, and I hope they have some kind of backup plan for Aaron Rodgers because... He's not going to like having Alan Lazard as his wide receiver one very much. Maybe they get Odell, yeah. though. I think the Chiefs or Packers both losing their wide receiver ones. I think Odell, I know he's going to be out probably about November, but I think he could fill in for either one of those teams. Um, and be mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he'd be a good one. fit on either. I could see him sign up the Packers, actually. I wasn't really uh, yeah. thinking about him, but I mean, yeah, if you can 
stay healthy um, when he comes back in November. I mean, we'll have to see how he is, too, coming off the ACL. Um, you know, will he be the same player? Yeah, could be tough. So, um, be interesting. Um, I don't know who won that. I think uh, the Tyree Kill trade, I would say the Chiefs won it just because they didn't want to pay him. They got five picks in return. Mm-hmm. I yeah, do like it for the Dolphins. Yeah. I like the Dolphins. I added a little more fire parts. It's going to be very hard to cover. Waddle and Hill on the outside. Hill, at one point, I mean, he's been the best receiver some weeks every year. Or, you know, I'm thinking, oh, he's the best receiver in the NFL. And then Adams goes off and Cup goes off. So it's very hard to tell who the best receiver is. But if you're picking up a guy like Tyreek Hill, and you're obviously setting five draft picks, but if you end up winning more games, I mean, it's worth it, worth it at the end of the day. But mm-hmm. um, the Raiders, I think they win that deal, getting Derek Carr, another guy to throw to, um, especially with that um, division. Everyone's been making moves. The Raiders kind of had to make something happen. The Chiefs now kind of downgraded a little, getting rid of Tyreek Hill. Obviously, they got five picks in return. Um, mm-hmm. Got Juju as well. Uh, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously not the same player, but getting five picks and Juju for Tyreek, essentially, um, really not a bad deal for the Chiefs. Um, not as psyched about Tyreek to the Dolphins as I am about Devontae to the Raiders, uh, similar to how you feel. Um, I mean, I think Devontae's a perfect fit in uh, Las Vegas. So Definitely. I get the Raiders. I think they definitely won that trade. I think I think the Raiders can win that division, truly. Um, mm-hmm. I think they can I mean, it's really anyone's game right yeah. now. You, know, you got Ross and the Broncos. The Chargers were right there last year. The Chiefs are up there regardless um, of how hot or cold they are. And then the Raiders right now, too, where you know, yeah. they got hot towards the end of last season and then um, you know right on the cusp of the playoffs. So Yeah, I think three teams will make it, the playoffs in that division. Um, I think it's going to be – I think the Raiders finish first. This is just a prediction now. I know, obviously, once we get close to next season, after the draft, we'll make more predictions. But mm-hmm. I think the Raiders win that division. Um, I think second will be – it'll be close between Kansas City and um, Denver. Um, I'll go Kansas City just for now. I like Mahomes more than I like Russ. Um, I'll go Denver at three, which I think all three can make the playoffs. And then mm-hmm. I'll go Chargers fourth, even though all four are good teams. So it'll be to see how that pans out. Um, but mm-hmm. it'll be cool. Yeah, I think if I was placing my bet on that division right now, I'd go Chiefs number one. I still think they're going to be the best team with Mahomes, um, even losing their wide receiver one. Uh, and now that they have five draft picks, they're definitely going to be loading up, particularly on defense, which is something they really needed last season. Um, and we saw that um, towards the end of their season. Um then after that, I'd probably take the Raiders, um, then the Chargers, then the Broncos. I think it's going to be super tight, though, between those bottom three teams. I mean, I don't even really know if you can call them bottom because I bet every team will be at least, um, yeah, probably 9-8, and 10-7 for the last place team in that division. Eight, I really wouldn't be surprised. They'll all win at least eight games. Mm-hmm. Eight, nine, nine, yeah, eight. most of their non-division games should be, you know, a pretty good record for all those teams. Um, yeah, so. Cool. Yeah, then, definitely going to be excited to see how that plays out. And then the last trade we want to talk about. That's a lot of trades to the AFC. I mean, we just talked about Matt Ryan going from the NFC to the AFC. Kind of makes sense, I guess, for the Falcons, as he said. I'm um, just getting rid of the cap space and also now going to find a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams, um, Packers to the Raiders. Exactly. So there's a lot of movement to the AFC. AFC. Up. Yeah, Watson Khalil Mack, Chicago to the Chargers. Yep, yep, absolutely. So mm-hmm. Yeah, um, AFC is getting loaded right now. Hey, the Giants can make something happen. You never know. It's going to have a good draft. <laughs> yeah, you guys might be at the top of the NFC now. I mean, know. In terms of talent, there's not too much left. We just got to wake up. Just got to wake up. Get DJ yeah, some someone's got to make a play out there. Get DJ some help in the old line. We'll win that. We'll win in the division if we mm-hmm. get some help. Hey, you got um, two good picks this year. so and seventh, baby. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, can Deshaun definitely make something happen there. Deshaun Watts a big trade. Um, I'm definitely excited, too. Deshaun Watts a big trade. Three first-round picks um, from the Browns. Um, a third-round pick and two-fourths. Um, is what the Texans got in return. I think that's a haul. I think Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback. They also paid him five years, $230 million, um, for an average of 46 a year. Now he's the second highest. Um, he has the second highest average annual value for a player in the NFL right now behind Rodgers, who just got his three years, $151 million, uh, for 50-plus per year from the Packers. But um, I think that's a haul for Deshaun. They got Deshaun Watson in the sixth round is what the Browns got in return. But giving up three first-rounders, um, a third and two fourths. I think that's a ton. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, I don't think he's the savior of the franchise. Um, I I don't think he's even a top five quarterback. He's a good quarterback. I think his stats were overrated because the Texans were down by thirty points every game. So obviously you're gonna have higher passing you know stats because all you're doing is throwing deep and you don't care because you're down by twenty points. I think he's a good quarterback. I'd say. I mean, they were also, solid his last year though. Um, what was that? Twenty nineteen or no? Twenty twenty in the playoffs. Um, when he was up 20-4-0 against the Chiefs at one point, obviously. Oh, 2019, yeah. Kinda, or yeah. 2020 was the year. 2019-2020. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that year. Um, yeah. I mean, they were up 24-0, and the Chiefs, if, I mean, they could just keep their composure and you know keep their foot in the gas pedal. They were right there with the ticket to the AFC Championship, obviously blew it. Uh, part of that comes on Deshaun Watson. A lot of that comes on the Texans' awful defense as well. Um, 
But I mean, I still think he's a great player. I mean, obviously it's gonna be tough that we haven't seen him play since. Was it that year? Yeah, he hasn't played since 2020. Uh, 2020 yeah. season, so actually, okay. yeah, they played last year, but didn't play the 2021 year. So he's been right. out of the NFL for a year. Because mm-hmm. also, also, you're taking in all the legal, um, you know, thing, uh, things at hand with him, the whole legal situation that he's also had a ton of uh, charges against him in cases. And, uh, yeah, you never know what's going to happen so, next. Um, which I don't know if he was charged. He at least has. I think they uh, dropped the charges. Him. They said yeah. all of them. I think, he, I think he still has civil suits against him, so. I still yeah, want to take him criminal. in. Regardless, he's a good quarterback. Taking in all that baggage and plus giving up three first-round picks, a third, two fourths, and paying him 46 a year. I mean, take him, keep him. I wouldn't want him for that, especially with the legal um, you know, situation and everything. Mm-hmm. Three firsts is him. a ton to give up for him. Um, but I think if everything pans out, I mean, in terms of you know all the legal issues and everything, I think um, obviously with all that taken into account, three firsts and a third round and two fourth-round picks is really risky to give up um, You know, with all that baggage coming in. Uh, but assuming everything stays all right with him, uh, I think it'll be a good trade for the uh, Browns at the end of the day. Obviously, Baker wasn't cutting at the end of the day. You know, he couldn't even find his best receiver like Odell. And, you know, we saw the way he turned up when he went to the Rams. Um, I think putting a dynamic quarterback like Deshaun Watson in that offense, I mean, we saw what he did at the Texans, a team that honestly didn't really have too much help um, in terms of O-line receiving beyond DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, not a super talented team um, that he and DeAndre Hopkins took to... Um, you know, numerous division titles and playoff appearances, um, nearly beating the Chiefs, as I just mentioned, that one season. Um, so I definitely think with, you know, a much more talented defense, um, obviously still a little bit of a lack of offensive talent, having Nick Chubb in the back uh, in the backfield with him and a solid offensive line, um, not great, not stellar, um, but it'll definitely help him out compared to the Texans. Uh, I think he can keep his status as, you know, a top five, top six quarterback in the NFL. Um, so I think this can definitely pay off for the Browns. And, I mean, that division right now is kind of open. We'll have to see what happens with the Bengals this year. I think they're still going to win the division. But I think um, Cleveland could become a close second and be, you know, a wild card in the AFC. Really? I got the Ravens still winning that division. I'm very confident Lamar hopefully no. comes back healthy this year. But I think mm-hmm. – Yeah, I mean, the Ravens can stay healthy too. They're right there as well. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying. I'm going to actually take the Texans winning that. I think the Texans win it by a mile, especially since they didn't play with Deshaun Watson this year. And, and Davis Mills showed some. I think it's a great chance. I mean, uh, great for both sides. I think Deshaun Texans getting that many picks. Deshaun Watson, yeah, I don't think he's worth that many picks. I don't think he's even worth forty six million. Um, I know quarterbacks are getting heavily overpaid nowadays, but he's getting you know more than two million, you know, almost per game, you know, which is nuts. Over two million per game, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy. Yeah, two a and a half, whatever it is. Um, but it's what you got to pay these days to get talent like that. I, I still don't. I still think I, I don't even think it's close. I think Texas win this trade by miles. Um, I think Deshaun's not going to be the saving team. I know Baker wasn't great. I don't think he, I mean, he doesn't have any receivers, but he was great. He had DeAndre Hopkins, who was a top three receiver in the NFL at the time. He was throwing him. Brand Cooks, he made pretty good in 2020 as well. But he's going to have no receivers now with Landry being a free agent. Um, obviously, Odell being gone. He has no one to throw to. I see I see the Browns being 9-8 and eight again. I don't see them being um, as great of a team as most. I know a lot of people at ESPN are thinking, you know, Browns are going to be unreal. They got Deshaun Watson, all this and that. But I don't I'd know. have them going 11-6. I mean, they can have look at two wins against the Steelers. Um, probably split with the Ravens. Probably split with the Bengals. I mean, they have the firepower to win games, especially with that defense too. That can keep that team in any uh, games anyway. I mean, we kind of saw it this year. Um, you know, like when that defense is on, they can play with anyone. Um, obviously, they had a lot of offensive struggles, um, but I mean, that's the hope that Deshaun Watson can fix that. So, obviously, it's a ton to give up, and if he can stay out of legal trouble, and um, you know, they can figure out figure everything out with this offense and surround with a couple of weapons, maybe get a couple of free agent receivers, um, which they definitely need then. I mean, they can be a solid team and a solid contender for the AFC. Definitely. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so Zach's got both teams kind of winning. I got the Texans winning. We'll see how it works out. Um, one last thing, Linda Fournette uh, re-signed yesterday um, with the Bucks. went back for three years, $21 million. So Brady's got the whole mm-hmm. offense basically back. Almost on at the um, Patriots, actually. I saw. Uh, he had, um, practice with them the other day and then Reports coming out that, you know, Bill Belichick was interested and wanted to bring him on the team. So I thought that was a done deal just about, um, you know, seeing that report. Um, but, yeah, kind of a surprise. This I was at this morning. Can't remember. Whenever it was, the report signed. came out. Yeah, seeing um, um, Brady, you know, that he signed with them. He wants to go back to Brady. I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Makes sense. Best chance for him to win a Super Bowl right now is with Tom Brady and, you know, Definitely. that loaded offense. So yeah. that team's not going anywhere. The Bucks. But that would, so yeah, that's Brady what he wants to do. Them. So everyone's back. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, mm-hmm. Godwin's back, too. They got everyone there. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Everyone's back. Uh, moving on uh, to MLB free agency and the start of spring training. The Red Sox are 5-1 currently in spring training. They look strong. Lost today their first game, but 
um, have looked strong so far. Um, Trevor Story actually just signed um, yesterday. Um, six years, 140 million to be Boston's second baseman, or that's at least that's what he should be. I'd imagine. Um, I think mm-hmm. Xander obviously has one year left on his deal. If Xander were to leave, obviously Trevor Story becomes a shortstop uh, for the future next year. But I think Xander probably stays around, probably pay him. Who knows? Um, but Story will be the second baseman for the Red Sox this year. I'd imagine um, he's never played any position but shortstop. So second base. I mean, it's not too hard to learn, but it's definitely something you got to get reps in if, when you're used to being around the other side of the infield. You gotta learn how to turn two from the other side now, playing second base. So it'll be interesting how that goes. He's a two-time NL All-Star. Um, he had 251 with 24 home runs last year for the Rockies. He also missed 20 games. So hopefully he keeps his injuries down because obviously we know Bogats gets hurt. Um, you know, guys on the Red Sox, JD's had his injuries. Guys on the Red Sox have struggled to stay healthy. Chris Sale. Um, so hopefully he stays healthy. Um, but I like the I like the move. Um, you bring in another bat that can hit home runs. Uh, probably gonna hit fifth in the lineup, fourth in the lineup. Uh, could even be third. Who knows? Probably three through five. It'll probably be somewhere around there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I'm a big fan. Of, what do you think of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a big fan of the trade, as you said. You know, 24 homers and 75 RBIs for the Rockies last season. Uh, definitely puts the ball in play and can make some big hits. Uh, lifetime, he's a uh, 272 hitter with 158 homers and 450 RBIs in his five seasons. Um, definitely going to bolster the offense a little bit. Help us out with some uh, some hitting. Um, you know, just bringing talent to this team that, you know, a lot of people were kind of writing off last year. And then we saw, you know, kind of a miraculous run to, um, you know, the um, American League Championship Series. Yeah, yeah I'm blanking on my words here. But, uh, yes, they were there. Yeah, definitely going to help out. I'm a little uh, concerned, kind of like you, about his switch to second base from shortstop. Um, but then again, if you're going to switch to any position from shortstop, I mean, second base shouldn't be too hard for him to learn. Obviously, we know he's super talented. So uh, I don't think it'll be too much of an issue for him switching over positions. Um, but definitely exciting, you know, his defensive presence as well um, in the infield. Definitely going to help us out in there. Um, so I'm definitely a big fan of the signing. Um, I mean, I think in terms of money right now, considering that we'll probably let J.D. walk next year, uh, we should have the cap to re-sign Bogarts as well. Um, and I think that should be priority A1 for the team. Um, and, yeah, I can't really complain with the trade at all. Obviously excited for the season. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, so it's one thing. Barely the biggest move. Um, at least for for Boston sports in the past week, definitely. Um, but uh, also, obviously, the Celtics have been playing well. The Bruins have been playing well. We're getting to both of those really quickly um, after this. So mm-hmm. we're um, going to get some speed so, rounds in. We, yeah, uh, yeah. got March Madness to cover as well. Might be another like eight oh five. We started you know seven oh five. So I guess yeah, we we'll go to eight oh five time. Um, anyways, Trevor Story, as we said, to the Red Sox. Freddie Freeman signed a six year, one hundred sixty two million dollar deal, twenty seven per year to the Dodgers. Um, the Braves traded for Matt Olson from Oakland, um, gave him eight year an eight-year extension for $168 million, signaled the end of Freeman's time for the Dodgers. Um, Carlos Correa just signed with the Twins, three years, $105 million. Um, I know the Astros got back in the sweepstakes. The Yankees were a little bit involved. The Red Sox were a little involved at one point. I know they weren't really too serious of a contender there, but the Yankees and Astros definitely wanted him. Um, he ended up going to the Twins, the Twins getting uh, 30-plus a year. Um, Nick Castellanos uh, signed with the Phillies, five years, $100 million. Um, Great signing for the Phillies, getting another power bat in that lineup with Bryce Hopper. Um, Adobo Herrera is actually going to be out for the first four to six weeks of the season, so that opens up an outfield spot right away with Castellanos. Um, great pickup for them. Um, and then one that one last thing I want, I think the MLB, I've talked about this before, but they need a salary floor. you got the Dodgers payroll right now at $273 million and the Orioles is at 31 Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's $242 million is the difference between those two payrolls. That's just unfair. Mm-hmm. That's it's absurd. Unfair. Yeah, it doesn't even make the league competitive at all. Not at all. No, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be, uh, wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Yeah, they got to get a salary floor, but obviously now the five-year collective bargaining agreement was signed um, two or three weeks ago now, so that's that's not going to be a thing for the next five years, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. they just actually got back now today or yesterday. They announced that they're going to go back to a guy on second base um, at the start of the top of the tenth inning for extra innings now this year, which I'm not a fan of that at all. Not a big fan of that at all but either. They're back to it for some reason, um, but mm-hmm. it's all good. Um, Makes it way more exciting. I mean. Strikes uh, stretches out the game way more um, you know, when you don't have the guy in second, but it just makes it more exciting. It feels like a real inning still. Um, but, you know, when they put a guy in second, it just feels like they're trying to get the game over with in a way. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So we'll see how it works out there, though. Um, but I'm not a big fan of the start of, you know, the extra inning for the guy in second base. I know it takes away from a pitching perspective. I mean, it, makes, it feels like you're already down in the game, unfortunately. I'm not a fan of that. Um, but I know some people are because offensively, obviously, it adds a little bit to the game. So I understand it from that perspective, too. But I know if I was pitching, I wouldn't want a guy on second base. Um, but that's just coming from you know, a player's perspective rather than a fan's. Um, anyways, mm-hmm. jumping in, we'll jump into the Bruins. 
Um, they just traded a defenseman, Hampus Lindholm, from the, uh, from the Anaheim Ducks. Um, he's got five goals and 17 assists uh, on the year um, in 61 games. They gave him a five, an eight-year, excuse me, an eight-year, $52 million extension. Um, he's supposed to be a free agent after the season, but um, he credited Boston um, being a winning culture, and he feels like he can win a championship here is the reason why he signed his extension. Um, Anaheim got John Moore. Um, Erho, Erho, I may I may mess this name up. Me and my crew were talking about it. Um, I was trying to get it down here, but it's a really tough name to pronounce. Um, Vakaninen? Vakaninen. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm sorry uh, if I pronounced that wrong. Tough name to pronounce. But I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. I, I, as I said, it's I don't know too much about I mean, prospects like Mike Hurley. Tough, yeah. So yeah. I went to him. Mm-hmm. Dan, Dan actually knows it. Dan said it to me. He was like, oh, you give up him. Vakaninen. Like, ah. There we go. I got it down, baby. Yeah, tough name to that's pronounce, how you do though. It. Unless you've got, you know, I know I can't do the that. syllables there written out for you. But Ur Vakaninen, um, a first-round pick in 2022. Um, a second round pick in 2023, and then also a second round pick in 2024. So, gave a good amount for him, uh, but he comes in. Obviously, the Bruins needed defense. We talked about this before. Um, they had to make a move, and, and they clearly did. So, I'm happy with the move. Did get up a ton. Um, Vakanainen and more, obviously, prospects. And then, obviously, giving up um, three three draft picks. It's a, good, it's a good haul for Anaheim, but they're in a little bit of a rebuild, it seems like, since they traded Josh Manson last week, too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, good move for so. both um, sides. Definitely excited for the Bruins. We really needed defensive guys. Um, you know, we didn't have, I mean, it was really just kind of McAvoy out there. And then he should be a great pairing alongside McAvoy. I'm really excited to see Lindholm play. Um, should be a good fit within the system. Uh, I mean, you know, the Bruins um, lineup. Patrice Bergeron was talking about today how he thinks he's going to be a great fit for the lineup. Um, thinks he's a great culture fit in the Bruins organization as well. Um, definitely excited to see him go out there and play. One of the better defensemen in the NHL. Um, I mean, and for, um, you know, a team like the Ducks that was rebuilding as well. Um, I mean, it was a good move for them, just getting you know a first-round pick in a couple seconds. Um, and then actually the day after, uh, Lindholm agreed to an eight-year contract with the Bruins. Uh, it was worth $52 million overall, uh, giving an average annual value of $6.5 million per year. Um, one of his main reasons uh, for sticking with the Bruins um, was because he believes they have a championship-caliber team, um, and he knows that he fits in well with this team, um, and he wants to win a championship here and stay in Boston for a while. Um, so definitely excited about that. Love hearing that, um, you know, especially after we give that much that we have them locked up um, in McAvoy, too. Now we have both of them moving forward in the future. Those are two great defensive pieces, and we can really win a championship with the two of them. Um, I mean, I've talked about on the podcast all year how worried I am for the Bruins' defensive, uh, you know, defense and their depth and everything. Um, but he definitely bolsters this, and I really think this team is in an even better position to contend for a Stanley Cup right now. Absolutely, yeah. We have to see how it works out. The Bruins do have um, the Lightning tomorrow. If they were to win, they would... Uh leapfrog them from the wild card to second in the division. Um, I know Mike Curry and my sister B-Rose are going. Hope you guys have a fun game. Good luck to the Bruins. Should be a good one. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how it works out there. Um, it'll be McAvoy and uh, Lindholm as the first defensive pairing. So pretty solid right there. The Bruins also did make another trade. Um, they traded former 2015 first-round pick Zach Sinition uh, to Ottawa. Yes, grew up in Ottawa, so hopefully maybe it'll revive his career. Um, for sending his defenseman, Josh Brown, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, the Bruins need to address... Um, obviously the defense, like we were saying, pick up another guy coming in. Um, it's more of a defensive, uh, you know, uh, a tough, tough guy. So he's coming in, likes to make hits, um, got into some fights. Uh, I was reading in his 165 NHL games, he's totaled 11 fights, including three this season. Um, so he definitely wow. brings in, um, some toughness that the Bruins might need, um, which they might've been lacking now over the past couple of years. Um, he's six yeah, we can five. definitely use a guy like that. Definitely. Um, you know, Sean Thornton type. Been missing a guy like that. Had a guy into the boards. I mean, why not? 6'5". Yeah. He won't help too much in the offense. He's got no goals and six assists through 46 games. But, I mean, hey, you get some fights, maybe get some energy through it. Uh, could be a good pickup for the Bruins. Um, and also gave Sedition. I was high on him at one point, uh, 2015 first rounder, but clearly it didn't work out here in Boston. Um, and then for Jake DeBrusque, who originally wanted out of Boston, signed a two-year $8 million extension uh, with the Bruins. Um, average annual value of $4 million. Um, he was going into his final year of his uh, two-year contract that he signed um, November 2020. I thought the Bruins were going to trade him, you know, giving him a two-year extension. I thought maybe it'd be easy to move him since the team would know oh, I'm, no, I'm not only getting, you know, I'm not getting just 20 games of him. Um, so, interesting. But the Bruins are 12-2 and one of the last 15. Currently stands seven really hot. Um, the Eastern Conference. Um, the Rangers are actually fourth with 85 points, so the Bruins can catch up pretty easily just winning some games. Um, seventh to fourth, you can jump with just, you know, one win. So, it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see how the Bruins... Uh, play everything how it works out but yeah um, so to see that play out. Mike Curry said they could add Basel in 2015 I know he's not a big sedition mm-hmm. guy um he also Mike Curry's also a fan of the guy on second base um which I know Trevor I'm Story. About, but uh he likes Trevor Story but he likes the second base style of extra innings you know oh, just okay. runs um but just get his takes him and Celtics 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's move into the Celtics. Uh, so they've continued their hot streak. They've been really impressive over the last few weeks. Uh, they've moved to 45 and 28 on the season, 9 and 1 in the last 10 games. Um, they've been incredible. They've been playing really hard, really good defense. Uh, shooting has been re- really good. Ball movement, just they've been playing perfect. A lot of people are calling them the best team in the league right now. I am absolutely love what I've been seeing the last few weeks. Um, actually, a win tonight would put them tied for the second place in the Eastern Conference of the Bucks. They've really accelerated up the standings for the last few weeks. Um, you know, coming from the last time we were complaining with the Celtics, we were probably like an eight or nine seed around then. We were uh, considered to be a playing team at that point. Um, so obviously, love the way we've been playing the last few weeks. Uh, Celtics are playing the Jazz tonight at home. Uh, they're up twenty eight to thirteen right now. Uh, looking at the box score uh, for the Celtics, Jason Tatum leads the way. Actually, Jalen Brown with thirteen points. Tatum with nine points, three for three from three point range. Uh, he's been really hot the last few weeks. Same can be said for Jalen Brown. Um, Rob Williams been spectacular on the defensive end the last few weeks. I think he's one of the most underrated defensive players in the league. He definitely doesn't get the attention he deserves um, as one of the best interior defenders and shot blockers in the league. Um, this season alone, uh, over the last ten games, are um, yeah, he's been averaging uh, 2.2 blocks per game and then 2.3 over the season. Um, so he's been incredible um, and really holds down that defense for the team. Uh, and then, you know, Marcus Smart and Derek White in the backcourt, that's been unbelievable as well, having those guys to play defense. Um, so really love what I'm seeing out of the Celtics right now, and I'm excited for the next few weeks because we look towards the playoffs. Um, yeah, going back to my prediction, though, at the start of this year, I said we can be a two- or a three-seed team, uh, and here we are. I mean, we're pushing towards the one. If we win tonight, we'll be two games behind the number one seed Heat. Um, and we got a game against them coming up as well, uh, March 30th. That's actually a week from tonight. So, um, I mean, anything is possible. For all we know now, we could end as a one seed, five seed. Um, I mean, if we keep this hot streak up, we should be a one, two, or three. Um, but anything is possible with only, you know, 10 games or so left to go in the season. Um, and, I mean, it's super close to the top of the East. There's only six games that separate the one and the six, and 2.5 games that separate the one and the four right now. So going to be really crazy to watch uh, and see how this plays out the next few weeks. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, they're on a huge hot streak right now. They won 20 of the last 23 games, um, the 18-3 um, since the start of February, 9-1 in March. So clearly stayed hot, um, which is good for the Celtics, though. This is what they needed. Um, Robert Williams, like you said, is on a huge tear. Um, Tatum and Brown, um, I think, have the most you know, 30-point uh, uh, points per games by a duo um, in the NBA this season. Um, they had 30-30 mm-hmm. the other night. Um, so having both of them be able to score, um, I'd still like for them to pass it when winning games. I'm not going to complain about it, but come playoff time, I know that's been an issue. Um, mm-hmm. is, is passing the ball. And They've been spreading around the cool. ball pretty well the last few weeks. Um, I still want more. They, both of them have had a couple of tough nights here and there. Um, but you know, the scoring has been incredible. Um, I mean, looking at the one loss, even from, uh, a couple weeks ago, KG's retirement day, we already broke that down, but we lost to the Mavericks 95, 92. Um, Neither Tatum or Jalen really played that well. Tatum shot 7 for 23. Um, but, you know, we had other guys step up. Like Marcus had 15. Horford had 17. Um, and, I mean, we – obviously, I was disappointed that we lost, but we hung with, you know, one of the better teams in the league in the Dallas Mavericks. So, um, you know, despite, um, you know, Tatum and Brown not having a great day, either of them, uh, we still have other guys that can step up. So I really think we have a really deep team right now. Um, so that's going to be huge for us come playoff time. Yeah, I still – even though we're riding a hot streak, I still would probably bet with. I'm not saying I'm, I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm, I'm obviously rooting for them, but I still don't see anyone stopping Embiid. Um, the players, I'm still worried about them. I'd still take them in six or seven. Um, Embiid right now is either the MVP, it's either him or LeBron. I mean, Embiid's averaging like 29 and change. Um, Could be Jokic too. Giannis. Both of them are up there. 11 the rebounds. And then LeBron's averaging 30 points, eight rebounds, six assists. I think it's between LeBron and Embiid. Um, but right now, I think Embiid's probably MVP in my eyes, although LeBron's right there. He's mm-hmm. very close. I would take Embiid probably. Yeah, probably Embiid, LeBron, Giannis, Jokic right now. Yeah, I'd probably go with those top two, LeBron at two. So I'd probably go Embiid, LeBron, Giannis, and Jokic, then Giannis. So I'd switch three and four, but pretty close. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're all interchangeable see. regardless. But I do like the, the – I still would take the sixes, I'd imagine, um, and six or seven on mm-hmm. the But, I mean, obviously things can change. I'm still rooting for them, but I just think the sixes in a playoff series, beating them four times might be tough. But mm-hmm. we'll yeah, see for how it works sure. out. Um, yeah, now we're, let's get into a March Madness speed round uh, for the next five minutes. Uh, been a crazy two rounds last weekend that we saw. Um, you know, a ton of upsets. Kentucky, Iowa had both of those in my Final Four. Obviously frustrating. Um, but, you know, I still at uh, the same time, I also still have Arizona and Duke, my Final Two, and at least uh, with all the craziness that's going on, I can't complain about that. A couple of big upsets as well. Actually, one that I called, Auburn losing in the second round. 
although I had them losing to USC in the second round instead of Miami, um, that was one of my big things last week. Unfortunately, I didn't save. Um, but I always thought Auburn was extremely overrated and wasn't good come you know crunch time. Um, I mean, obviously they have a lot of really good athletes, but um, you know, in terms of shooting and composure and just everything, they always seemed kind of off to me. Um, you know, ever since watching them lose to Texas A&M in the SEC tournament, uh, so that was a shocking loss. Wisconsin lost as well, actually. Uh, they were one of my picks for the Elite Eight. Uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, just there was losses like crazy. So what did you see out there, Joey? Yeah, it was tough. I had Kentucky winning at all, actually. I'm a Wildcats fan, so I'm sure people knew mm-hmm. that hearing me last week. But, yeah, my bracket was toast day one, unfortunately. Although, in my ESPN, I had three different brackets, and I was actually in the top still. I'm still in the top five for all three of them. Top three, top five, whatever I'm in. Still in the top three, just the worst, you know, maximum amount of points possible because mm-hmm. Kentucky was out. After yeah, it gets impossible if you lose your winner round one. I mean, it's tough. You, you don't know, need a Cinderella to win it all. I mean, if a Cinderella wins it all, you still got a shot. If I mean, your remaining picks play out right. Yeah, um, obviously it's tough. Thing. Kentucky losing. Uh, My only shot right now is Duke and Arizona in the final two, um, with Arizona <laughs> winning it all. Which I mean, the way Arizona looked right now, obviously TCU gave them a really I'm good game, but yeah. yeah, TCU is a really great team and they played really well. Um, but Arizona kept composure at the end. We saw Benedict Matherin absolutely go off that game. Uh, Christian Coloco as well, absolutely stealed the deal. Had a couple big blocks and rebounds towards the end. Uh, who was that guy at TCU? Big Eddie. He was big a beast. Eddie, Shout out to him. Love um, Yeah, I mean, that was a really great game to watch. Obviously, it got me nervous with, you know, already two of my Final Four picks out, seeing my national championship winner get a scare like that and almost losing. Uh, but great win for Arizona to pull out that tough one. Um, they have a big matchup tomorrow, actually, against Houston, who... Uh, is another team that I'm a little bit nervous for Arizona to play. I think they're one of the most underrated teams in this bracket. Uh, after watching them play their first two round, uh, their first two games against UAB and Illinois, they had a big win against Illinois. It was actually a really close back and forth game through the first uh, half and far into the second half, probably till about the six minute mark. They just absolutely started going off. They had suffocating defense. They were shooting well. They were getting their way inside, um, and they just looked um, dominant out there. So I'm definitely nervous. And excited at really for the game, uh, Arizona Houston. I think that's gonna actually gonna be the best game that we see uh, out of this upcoming round. Um, UNC Baylor should, I mean UNC UCLA should be a good one as well. Um, I mean obviously all of them are gonna be good games in the Sweet 16 now that we've made it this far. And you know every team that's still in here is a real deal. Um, but I think Houston right now is my most under like the most underrated team that I see out here. Um, and then yeah, I mean Gonzaga too had a scare last week against Memphis. Looking at that game. Um, they really pulled it together at the end. Drew Timmy had a big game, had an awesome press conference after as well. Uh, nice. so. Yeah, um, Kentucky losing, I said, was tough. Um, TCU actually was my other team. I had them going to the Elite Eight in one of mine, Final Four in another, Sweet 16 in a couple of them. I had them kind of finishing everywhere. But one thing I want to talk about that game is TCU could hit free throws. That game would have been a 10-point game. They would have won the game. It wouldn't even been a close game. They could shoot free throws. It was 73%. 22 of 30, but in crunch time they went 73 like, is not bad. Six. I mean, yeah, they went in crunch time they were bad. Two of, two of six or two of seven in their last seven. In overtime, they even missed one, too. But mm-hmm. um, Big I think, Eddie was getting to the line. I love Big Eddie. But I think the officiating, that was an issue. They call nothing, and then they wait to the last Officiating has been an issue in every single game so far. It's been frustrating. I mean, TCU realistically should have won that game. At, at the end, Mikey Miles dribbling towards half court. Ten seconds left, tie game. Gets absolutely popped by the Arizona guy. Should have been a foul. I mean, they were talking on ESPN the next day. It should have been a foul. Uh, guys, everyone on social media was saying it should have been a foul. I don't know how it wasn't. Um, TCU would have been going to the line with about five seconds left. Mikey Miles in the line, he had 20 points, great player, sophomore. Um, would have been nice to see them you know, get a chance to actually win. But the reason why I'm a fan of them is because they like the Clippers. They're just dogs. They play hard. They don't give up. They get every loose ball. They get every single uh, offensive board, every rebound they get. Everyone's hustling. Big Eddie, uh, big game, 20 points, 14 rebounds for Eddie Lampkin. Um, he's only sophomore as well. Same thing with Mike Miles. They'll be back next year. Um, I'm, I'm taking them probably to win the Big 12 tournament, actually. I'm going to go with them. Mike Curley called it again. He picked another gem of a team. Maybe they didn't go as far as Oral Roberts did last time, but he was dead I mean, still, on that gave team being Arguably team. the first, second best team in the whole bracket. You yeah. Know, well, they could have won it. I mean, they should have won it. Give them that final. overtime, yeah. Brutal officiating. The NCAA should be mad at themselves with how bad that was. I know you don't want another one seed losing mm-hmm. early, but... Something ridiculous about that, though, you know, with all the media attention on the bad officiating this um, postseason, I forget who it was. If it was a chairperson of um, NCAA officiating or something, he said he was concerned with the players being too physical or something like that. Like, what, yeah, kind, of, I mean, what, that what kind of statement is that? What does that um, even mean? I mean, what do you want to play? Not don't play defense because, like, you know, mm-hmm. can't foul. Don't foul. Yeah, it makes it a great game, but it's just ridiculous, the officiating. I mean, 
people are calling him out for you know inconsistent calling and he's blaming the players or something. I mean, it's weird. I'll have to get the full quote for next week. Um, um, it'll be interesting to see, though. But, yeah, that was nuts to me. Um, really quick, so who I got left. Um, obviously, my bracket's toast, but if I'd start one right now, I'm taking Purdue St. Pete is a great game. Eddie has been the star of the tournament, Big Eddie. Both of them probably the two biggest icons of the tournament thus far. Um, I'm going to go Purdue, though. I think they can win it. I'm going to go Purdue over... It'll be close. I, I think Nova actually is going to make a run, too. Uh, right now, I'd probably take Purdue over Villanova or Kansas. But I'll probably go per- Purdue over Villanova if that's my finals. Um, it'll be interesting okay. to see how it plays out. St. Peter's, great team. I, you know, underdog. Obviously, beating Kentucky was tough for me, but rooting for an underdog is never the worst thing. Um, they played really well. Strong team, obviously. Um, be interesting to see how plays out. Um, mm-hmm. But two 11 seeds, a 10 seed, and a 15 seed being alive still. I mean, this is kind of just... I know there's always typically... Yeah, it's nice we got a 10-11 matchup in the Sweet 16. There's a ton, crazy. There's a ton of upsets. And, I mean, speaking of upsets, women's basketball, uh, March Madness, South Dakota, ended up beating Baylor, the number two, two overall seed. Um, wow. Number two, two seed, excuse me. Lost to South Dakota 61-47. That was a surprise. I saw that on uh, ESPN. Um, they were highlighting that South Dakota's went off. South Dakota was 29-5 in the year, so you know, it wasn't like a cupcake game for Baylor. It wasn't an easy matchup. Um, but still, Baylor being a two-seed... T- two and losing to a 10 early on when, you know, some people had them winning it off. You know, I had winning it. Obviously, our recording got ruined last week from um, all our picks for March Madness. Um, you had... So, um, did I lose it, winning it? I think I believe it was. Was it NC State? Maybe NC State. NC State, something like that. I think that. it was NC State. I, I had yeah. South Carolina. They're pretty hot right now. Um, Still alive. I'm doing as a specter. They're dominant. Still alive, um, yeah. But yeah, I guess real quick before we wrap up, give my updated picks now that Kentucky and Iowa are up my final four. Um, coming from the East region, I have UCLA going all the way. I still think they're a great team. I just think um, out of that bracket, UNC and UCLA are the best team, so obviously it kind of stinks to see them play now instead of rather than in, in the Elite Eight. Uh, Purdue's obviously been great as well. You know, had a big win against Texas uh, last weekend. Um, I mean, Jaden Ivey, one of the most dynamic players in all of college basketball, though. That'll be exciting to uh, watch him play uh, these upcoming rounds. Uh, so I got UCLA coming out of that bracket. And then in the Midwest, where I originally had, um, who was it, uh, Iowa coming out of it, uh, I actually got Miami coming out of that. I think they've been really hot, you know, having an 18-point win over Auburn and then a two-point win over USC, too. Uh, USC is a really good team. Then I mean, I called Auburn overrated, but obviously they're still a good team. Um, I think they're overrated for being a two-seed, but, I mean, they should have been a tournament team regardless. Um, Miami is really hot. We, they got scores like Isaiah Wong, Charlie Moore, uh, Cam McGusty, uh, their big man that we talked about last week, Sam Wardenberg. Yeah, my boy. he's unreal. Uh, I got Miami going to the Final Four as well, so I think they're a really hot team. Uh, and yeah. there you have it. And I'm keeping Duke and Arizona uh, in my national championship with Arizona taking it all. So there you yeah. have it. I'll go Gonzaga in the West, Purdue in the East. Um, I'll go Villanova in the South, and I will go Kansas, I guess, in the Midwest. I'm a little unsure about that because I wasn't really a big fan of Providence, but now they've won two games. I actually had South Dakota State beating mm-hmm. Providence. It was a close two game. smaller teams, right though, you know, Richmond and right Providence. But then again, Richmond played great against Iowa last week. So, I mean – Maybe yeah. that was a big win. Maybe it wasn't. Either way, 28 points against a tournament team in the round of 32 is still impressive. Yeah. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and then women's March Madness going to go with, I don't know, I like UConn, actually a two seed. Um, the only team really from around here is still alive. But I still have my two teams, NC State Louisville, still alive. So we'll see how that plays out. NC State's got Notre Dame on Saturday at 11.30 a.m. And then Louisville's got Tennessee um, on March 26th, Saturday at 4 p.m. So see how it works out. I know go. Iowa yeah, State. Yeah, I'm sticking with my South Carolina pick on that one. Yeah, and you got two picks there. We both got solid teams in the women's one. I wish actually it was where I bet for the you know my brackets because my men's one didn't really work out. But I know Mike Curry mm-hmm. likes Iowa State, so that would be a good matchup. Iowa State versus um, Miami. Obviously, Brock's a beast on Iowa State. We'll see how that works out. But mm-hmm. um, I'm excited, though. I'm, if I was betting right now, I'm probably going to Purdue. But um, mm. UNC is not a so many talented teams, teams out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really good. They're UCLA. really hot right now. I got them beating okay. UCLA. Um, mm-hmm. it'll be a good game. They've been really hot right now. I mean, you saw um, RJ Davis, who was yeah that, him last week from uh, White Plains, New York. That's near uh, a couple of our friends. Um, went to the Ford and Preps rival high school. He was a beast last week, scoring I forget if it was high twenties or thirty points or something. He was unconscious. Uh, Caleb Love as well had a slower game, fouled out I believe towards the end of the game. I think that was him. Um, and I mean, UNC still played great, taking down Baylor. That was an unreal game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm really excited. Sweet 16 games start tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, and then the Elite Eight will be Saturday and Sunday. So we can't wait for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, give a few quick shout outs. Shout out Stephen, Auntie Lisa, the whole O'Malley family, 
the Keefs, the Loftus family, um, shout out Unc, my family, my friends, Mark Walsh, Rilskis. Um, thank you guys for listening to Sports Guru, Mike Curley, always giving us his opinions. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Same thing with my uncle texting me in. Uh, I appreciate that. It means a ton. Uh, big game for Northeastern, Rilskis. Um, had to get that in. But one last thing, uh, as I've done on the last two episodes, um, our thoughts and prayers are still with the Ukraine. Um, hopefully things there start getting better, as I said last week. Um, can't imagine what they're going through. So our thoughts and prayers are with them. Um, and it's just been a crazy situation. Obviously, mm-hmm. we love talking sports. But there's a lot more going on in the world um, than sports, and obviously we have to give our attention to that. So hopefully things get better there soon. Um, and then sure. One quick shout-out. My sister Aaron's birthday today. Happy birthday, Aaron. Hey, happy birthday. Um, you're the best. Big Josh Allen fan, big Mahomes fan, big Rodgers fan, so three quarterbacks right there. You can tell mm-hmm. we're in a position as quarterback. Um, in, in yeah, football. clearly. <laughs> uh, anyways, shout-out, though, Aaron. Though, happy birthday. Hope it's a good one. Um, love doing fantasy football with you. No one else. I love doing it more with. We'll win it next year. Let's go. Let's go. We're going at it. Thanks right. for taking it. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you guys yeah, for with listening. that, yeah. Thanks guys for listening. We'll see you next week. We'll be back next week, Wednesday, March thirtieth at seven o'clock. So thank you guys. Have a good one.